Thank you for being here today. Uh, pray for the service. Pray for our missions team uh, as they uh, minister in Missouri and then as they travel back. In the years just before the American Revolution, there was a New England preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards, who one morning preached a sermon entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It is reported that Jonathan Edwards read his sermon from a manuscript without even looking at the congregation. And he read it in a very calm, monotone voice. But as he was reading this sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, a strange thing happened in that church and to his listeners. They began writhing under conviction and weeping in repentance. That worship service in Connecticut on that Sunday sparked one of the greatest revivals that our world has ever seen. It was known as the Great Awakening. Edward's message can be summed up in a single sentence of that sermon, and here is what he said. Those without Christ are hanging by a slender thread over the fire of divine wrath. And I think I said it with a little more enthusiasm than he said it. He just read it. Those without Christ are hanging by a slender thread over the fire of divine wrath. Well, today, all the world is hanging by a slender thread. <laughs> and at any moment, that thread could snap. It may be global military conflict. Many people who are right now living in the Middle East believe that we are already in World War III. And I don't know if you keep up with military, what's going on in the world, but every day I look at my iPhone and I read of the crazy things happening in North Korea. They may change world history at any moment. One military expert reported, the world is quickly reaching a point of no return. There are about 25,000 known nuclear weapons scattered around the world, including hundreds of so-called suitcase bombs, about 100 of which Russia has mysteriously lost. Well, that's comforting to know, is it not? National Defense Magazine ran a chilling article entitled, Seven Deadly Myths About Weapons of Terror, warning that Smuggled nukes cannot be easily detected at U.S. ports. Our ability to spot nuclear components are overly hyped, the report stated. And all it takes is one explosion and history will never be the same. And then every day there is a new terrorist attack somewhere. It could happen over there or it could happen right here. But you know what? That's only one of the problems in which we live with. For many Americans, the more immediate crisis is with our own economy. I would assume that most Americans know that we have a huge national debt. This past week, I was able to get on a website that had a meter that shows our national debt and how it is increasing by the second. And let me tell you, it is absolutely mind-boggling. As of today, our national debt is over $19 trillion. And before year's end, it will exceed $20 trillion. But, but that's not the whole picture. 
We also have several millions and trillions of dollars loaned out in unguaranteed funds. And so our real national debt is $69 trillion. And you might say, well, that's no big deal. Well, yes, it is a big deal. What, what if, I'm just presupposing something, what if the government came out with a new law and said, okay, we're going to have the American citizens bail us out. And so to bail us out of the national debt, it is going to cost each American citizen $212,249. And so they come knocking on your door wanting that amount for everyone living in your home. And again, that is $212,249 per person. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't have that much cash laying around. Can I tell you, we're in big trouble, not only economically and not only militarily, we, we are in deep trouble in many other ways as well. Just for example, our country has been hit with one of the most severe springs in history, flooding, fire, drought. I'm telling you, there has been an explosion of tornadoes. Every day I get on the weather app the Weather Channel app, to see what the weather's going to be. And before I can scroll down to what it's going to be in Fort Smith, I see these videos of tornadoes happening all over the United States in places they're not supposed to have tornadoes. And we've had an outbreak of tornadoes recently here. About a month ago, it was all on the news. He had his, my news guy, Channel 5, he had his jacket off and his sleeves rolled up. When his sleeves are rolled up, it's serious business, all right? And he was, he was tracking a, a tornado over in Oklahoma, and it was headed right for my house. And so I'm ready to get in the bathtub, in the bathroom, and Angie said, no, let's go outside and watch it. <laughs> said, you're crazy, girl. But she was out there watching, and so I went out to save her and drag her back in. And you know what? Just about a mile west of my house, you could see it in the sky. It was changing colors, and you could hear the rumbling. And that's happening everywhere. What do we do in times like these? What do we do when we don't know what is going to happen in terroristic attacks or military-wise throughout our world? What do we do with an economy that is faltering and failing and a country that is in a debt we can't get out of? What do we do with weather that we can't control? Now, those are big things. I could even break it down to something more personal as this. What do you do with all the worries and the burdens and the cares that you carry daily for your own life? Your own work situation. The problems your kids are facing. The controversy you have in your own home. The struggle that you're having with your own health. What in the world do we do with all of these burdens? All of these cares? All of these anxieties? Well, I'm here. God's Word speaks to that. There's a single verse I want to share with you today from 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 7, it is one of the, the pillars 
of faith that I believe in. I have about five verses that I just hang my hat on and I build my life on. And I have to go back to week after week and day after day. And this is one of these verses. It's very short, but it's very powerful. Here's what Peter says to do when we're dealing with worries and anxieties we don't know how to handle. Here it is, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care on him... For he cares for you. And there it is right there, man. What a great verse. What do you do with all these burdens, worries, anxieties, and cares? You cast them on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, church, this is one of the themes of this book. Responding to problems and periods of suffering in your life. Here is the message of 1 Peter. We have been born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So we have a forgiven past. Okay, come on, this is good stuff. Because of the blood of Jesus and his resurrection, our past can be forgiven. Woo! I don't have to carry that burden around anymore. That's the message of 1 Peter. Because of his blood and his resurrection, we have a forgiven past. And we are awaiting a glorious return from Jesus Christ. So we have a forever future. Okay? Come on. Glorious past, forever future. You can't get any better than that, huh? That's what we have as believers. But in between, <laughs> in between. We are pilgrims and we are strangers on this earth. And Peter affirms that in between, in between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' return in our life, we will have problems. Matt, thank you for saying amen. because We do, man. That's what life is. It's one problem after another problem. And I know I'm here to give you hope today, and I'm going to give you some hope, but this is reality. We face problems. What do we do with them? Yeah, we give them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to set all this up for you just by reading a few verses in our passage. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 tells us about our past, our future, and where we're living right now. Here's what he says in 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, right now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Well, I know what he's talking about. Because there are many days I am grieved by various trials. Boy, you're a tough crowd. Come on. Chapter 2, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But... When you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to do this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. 
So you're not given this free pass to act bad when people treat you bad. You're called to live the Christian life. Are you going to suffer because of it? Sure you're going to suffer. But God's going to bless you because of it. He did the same thing. Chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 12 of chapter 4. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. And guys, let me tell you, I could preach an hour about this because sometimes we just sit back and we're freaked out because bad things happen to us. And we say, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to do the right thing. Why do bad things happen to me? He's saying, dude, that's just the way it is, man. You're living in the world. Remember the parentheses? A forgiven past, a glorious future, but in between, you're going to have problems. That's just where we live. And then chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, listen to this, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You're going to suffer for a little bit, but here are the benefits of suffering. God's going to establish and perfect you, and you're going to be a better person because of it. So there you have the theme of Peter. He closes the book the same way he opens the book. We have been called and forgiven and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and one day we're going to be fully delivered when we get to heaven. We have an excellent past, and we have a glorious future. But right now, we're living in no man's land. Right now, we're living on a battlefield. Right now, we're living in hostile territory. And on any given day, at any given moment, we might have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. When it rains, it pours. And sometimes... It just dumps on us, man. Are you with me? So what do we do? How do we cope with this? What techniques can we discover from God's word to make it through? That, that is the broad context of this promise God gives in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says in the midst of all of this, here's what you do. Look at me, listen to me. You cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Now that's a very short verse, but every word in that verse is terrific. <laughs> every word is awesome. So here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to spend a couple of minutes with you, and I want to roll up my sleeves because I'm getting down to business here. I want to share this verse with you. I want to exegete it, break it down. And let's look at each word because each word is very powerful. The first word is cast. Cast. It means to throw. It means to remove something from one location and put it in another location. So let me ask you right now, friend, where is your concern? Where is your worry? Is it, a, is it swimming around in your mind and in your heart and in your emotions? 
When you cast your cares on the Lord, what you're literally doing is taking them off of your heart and putting them on the heart of God. You're casting them. Now, this word is only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's found in the story of the triumphal entry. Y'all remember that story? The disciples were sent to get this donkey for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem. And so they find the colt, the donkey, and before Jesus gets on it, they all take their coats off, their cloaks off, and they lay their coats on the back of the donkey so Jesus will have something to sit on. That word of taking their cloaks off and putting it on the donkey is the same word. They were casting their cloak on the donkey. Are you with me? So here's what it means for us. Same thing. Just as they took their coat off and placed it on the back of the donkey, so we are to take the burdens and the worries and the anxieties off of our heart and place them on Jesus. Man, I wish some of y'all were Pentecostal. We'd get to shouting in here. Woo, man. First service, somebody did shout right there. That's good news, man. That's what we get to do, cast. The next word is all, A-L-L, all. I'll never forget when I noticed this word in this verse. I was worried about something, consumed with it, and I was reading through the book of 1 Peter. I came to chapter 5, verse 7. I read the verse, and my eyes just became transfixed on that word all. It's, it's like a hammer striking an anvil. It's what happened in my mind. I, I realized something. I realized what all means. All means all. <laughs> it means absolutely everything. Every concern I have without exception and there are no limitations. So if I have this huge concern that is overwhelming me, guess what? I can cast that on God. It may be big, too big for me, but it's not too big for Him. Even if it is a small, trivial matter that you might laugh at, it's not small and trivial to me, nor is it small and trivial to Him. I can cast that on Him. All, every one of them. Cast all, what's the next word? Your... Here's where it gets personal. It means the unique set of circumstances that are troubling you at this very moment. It's your problems, your worries, your concerns. And you know what? Your concerns are different than my concerns. What worries you may not worry me. I'm amazed at how God puts opposites together, you know, and then he watches the sparks as they ignite when you put them together. Those of you married know what I'm talking about. Angie and I are as different as daylight is from dark. Uh, she's light, I'm dark. I mean, that's, you know, I've got that analogy. But I, I'm kind of the worrier in my family. I, I do, I worry about things. I have to really watch it. And, and Angie's just, she's the total opposite. The things that worry me don't worry her at all. She says, what are you worried about? I mean, what, that? You know? And if she did worry about something, which she doesn't, it probably wouldn't worry me. But you know what? That's the deal. It's my worry. It's something that is consuming me. And even though it might not be big to you, it's big to me. It's personal to me. And so it is my problems that I have the freedom to give to God. And he's concerned about my problems. Cast all your, and here's the next word, cares. 
The Greek word literally means worries and anxieties. Worries and anxieties. Now here's where we're going to dial it up a little bit and, and, and make you feel really hot under the collar and, and maybe, I don't know, make you feel uncomfortable. Because chances are you've got your own set of worries right now. There's something right now that's really worrying you. In trying to describe this, let me look at it from this perspective. What this is not talking about are healthy concerns. Because you know what? There are things we need to be concerned about. Jason, I'm concerned about my kids. Even though they're grown now and kind of halfway out of the house, I'm concerned about Whitney and Tyler. They, they went, they've been saving for two years to go on this, this European vacation, and today they're in Germany. They're going to end their trip in, in Paris. You know what's been happening in London? Do you think I'm concerned? Well, I'm concerned about them. I'm concerned. I was concerned when my daughter Callie was on that nine-month mission trip. But you know what? I learned through those concerns that they were healthy and that they prompted me to pray for them. Okay? I'm concerned about the health and welfare of my family. I'm concerned that they have food to eat. So you know what? I work hard. I'm concerned that they have a roof over their head. So I do everything I can to protect them. That's my job. I'm concerned about their health. So I want them to eat right and exercise. I'm concerned about my own health. I'm concerned about you. So I pray for you diligently. Every day I pray for you. I'm concerned about our church. Those are healthy concerns. We need to be concerned for one another. It prompts us to help each other. But here's the problem. When we allow these healthy concerns to consume us, and then it turns into worry. It's talking about unhealthy, crippling, dysfunctional anxiety that can tear us apart from the inside out like a building that's being destroyed. One lexicon that I read called it a kind of care and anxiety that brings disruption to your personality and to your mind. I think I can describe it like this. When you have this kind of, of worry and these kinds of cares, it keeps you up at night. And it's all-consuming. And it changes your personality. It's those kinds of cares that when we do it, we're sinning when we do them. Elsewhere in the Bible it tells us that, but it's those cares that we can cast on the Lord. And that's the next word, on. That's a preposition that fits our analogy of the donkey. We take them off of our heart and we put them on the heart of God. And then the last word there in that first phrase is him. Who is him? Well, it's God. I want you to notice the immediate context here in verses 5 and 6. It says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud... But he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Him, then, is God himself. And when we're humbling ourselves before him, here's what we're saying. Lord, Lord, I got this problem here that, that is overwhelming me, and I can't handle it. I can't fix it. 
It's consuming me. And so, Lord, I'm humbling myself before you. I'm telling you that I can't handle this on my own. And as I humble myself, I'm giving it to you. I'm casting this care on you. I can't handle it, but you can. And you're giving it to the God of the universe. Isn't that awesome? And then this next little phrase, for he cares for you. That is the declaration on which the command is given. The command is that we cast all of our cares on him. The basis of it is that God really does care for us. God's, let me tell you, that is great news. God cares for you. God loves you. The Bible reiterates this. For God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. There's an old song based on this verse that asks the question, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Am I back? Here we go. Strange things happening in our weather. Could be. Okay. Let me tell you, you're in a safe place right here. Okay. The answer is, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. He cares for you. See, Peter knows that his readers have been born again and that Jesus Christ is coming again. But between these two events, we're going to have to suffer some trials and some griefs. But here's what we do. We cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. And there's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Isn't that great? I've exegeted it as well as I can. You know what the words mean. You know what? It's good to have that head knowledge. We need a heart knowledge of it. It's good to know that verse is there and that promise is available, but what do we do with it? Well, before I send you back out into a world of cares and trials and worries, let me just share with you how we can put this into practice. I'm going to do it by giving you a word, and the word is cast. This is how we do it. We cast. Thus the name of my sermon, you cast, he cares. Kind of like what's going to happen Saturday at the fishing derby. You cast... Maybe he'll care enough to give you a fish. I don't know. But here's what CAST means. I'm using it as an acronym. The first letter is C. Here's what you do. You claim the death and resurrection of Jesus for your own. Let me put it another way. Claim the blood of Jesus Christ. You claim the blood and the power of Jesus in your own life. Peter is writing to people who have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's writing to save people, born again people. And he's saying to these saved people, here's what you do when you have troubles. You just give them to your heavenly father. But you've got to understand, this only applies to born again believers. Put it this way, the only way that you can have a peace that passes all understanding is to know the Prince of Peace. The only way you can have the peace of God is when you have peace with God. The only way he can be your all-sufficient Savior, your all in all, is to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. In fact, all of the promises of the Bible only work to those who are in the family of faith. 
And so the first step you got to take this morning is claim the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ in your own life. You have to be born again. And then as a believer, when you bring this care to the Lord, you claim the power of the resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the power that can take your worries away. Uh, just in the next book, 2 Peter chapter 1, there's an interesting verse. It's verse 3. Here's what it says. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his goodness. Did you get that? His divine power has given us everything we need. So in order to access 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares on him, you've got to know the password. And the password is Jesus Christ. Okay? So you claim the blood of Jesus. The A in the letter, the A stands for ask. You just seriously ask God to take over the issue that is distressing you. And you learn to pray earnestly about it. Then S stands for surrender. As you pray, you surrender that problem or that worry to God. You give it to God. And as you give it to God, you surrender to Him your will. And you give God permission to resolve this problem however He wants to. Now, let, let me just show you this kind of in an illustration. I had, I had, I've had some worries this past uh, last few weeks, and, and uh, I did what Hezekiah did. I took those things, and they were in form of, of papers, and I brought those things in here, and right here at this altar, in fact, I was turned around this way, I spread those things out on the altar before the Lord. I just laid them out on the altar, and I bowed right here at this altar, and I gave those problems to God. I said, God, these things, they are consuming me. They have, they have turned into, from a healthy concern to an unhealthy, consuming worry. And I can't function like I'm supposed to function with all these cares and these worries. And so I laid them out before the Lord. I claimed the blood of Jesus Christ. I asked God to help me. And then I gave him permission as I surrendered them to him. I said, Lord, they're not my problems anymore. They're yours. And I want to give you the freedom to handle these problems any way you want to handle them. And if you're going to use me to handle them, that's okay, Lord. It's okay, because they're your problems now. And then the last letter is trust. After you claim the blood of Jesus and ask for help and surrender those problems to him, you've got to trust that means that we begin to act as if everything is going to be all right. And why wouldn't they be? You've just given them to the Lord. Reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend of mine. Uh, this was a couple years ago, okay? Go back two years. Um, we were talking about uh, football teams, and it just happens that uh, we like the same football team, America's teams, our team. Dallas Cowboys. He's a preacher just like me. And he said, you know, Will, I, I, I love watching the Cowboys. But sometimes uh, they play at inopportune times on Sundays or on Mondays. And I'm either preaching or I'm in a meeting and I can't watch the game. And so I'll record it. 
with the intent of going back home and watching the game, you know, after it's over with. And I don't want anyone to tell me the score before I go home and get to watch it. But inevitably, somebody will say to me as I'm walking out the door, Oh, pastor, too bad about your cowboys. And he said, they've blown it for me. I know from their comment that we lost the game. And so he said, I go home depressed and I don't even turn it on. I don't even watch it. No use in it. We got beat. He said, there are other times when I'm walking out the door and somebody might say to me, hey, preacher, how about them cowboys? Man, wasn't that awesome, preacher? They, they, they really pulled it out right at the end. Woo, way to go, cowboys. And he said, even though they've blown it for me, they really haven't because I'm excited now. And I go home and I turn it on and I start watching the game and I'm eating my popcorn. And he said, it may be the fourth quarter with three minutes left and we're ten points behind. And again, this is two years ago. And Tony Romo may be hurt. That's when Tony was part of the cap. Tony may be hurt. The glass man may be hurt. <laughs> but he said, you know what? I don't worry about it. I'm not concerned about it because I know what happens in the end. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying, but that's how we ought to be when we trust in the Lord. When we find ourselves hanging by a thread or at the end of our rope or when it appears the world is collapsing around us, we need to start acting as if God were really in control because, my friend, He is in control. And that's what trust is. We're starting to flesh it out. And so today, my plea with you is this. Bring your problems and cast them before the Lord, trusting that he's going to take care of them. Now, the only way you can do that is by being a believer, a Christian, having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Before you can take this promise and apply it to your life and give him your problems, You've got to be saved. I said the same thing in the first service. You know, a lady came. I don't know how old she was. She's older than me, but she gave her life to Jesus first service. She trusted in Jesus as her Savior. And after I prayed with her the sinner's prayer, then she prayed and gave her problems to the Lord. Maybe you need to do that same thing today. Come and be saved. But for all of us, every one of us, and I know you got worries. <laughs> you live in a real world. Why don't you gather all those concerns up today and meet me at these altars? And let's claim this verse. Let's cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us.